turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Fixing our own eyesight to humbly assist others in the same, next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Luke chapter 6 is where we find ourselves today on Abounding Grace, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Welcome to the broadcast. We're looking at verses 39 through 42, where Jesus tells us to take the log out of our own eye, and then we'll see clear to take the speck out of our neighbor's eye. Understanding this parable is the subject of our time today. Please join us for a very encouraging look at God's Word, that we might better understand humility when it comes to serving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Wisdom is one of the rarest things in the world. Wise people are the rarest people in the world today. And there are a lot of reasons why there is less wisdom today than there was 50 to 60 years ago. One reason is because of the departure of our culture from Christ and His Word. Another reason is because people have the wrong ideas how to obtain wisdom in the first place. If you ask some people, how do you get wisdom? They'll say, you get wisdom by going to school and reading books. The more schooling you have at the better schools, the more wise you will be. Listen, beloved, I have known several people in my life, including some of my professors in college, who had lots of degrees after their name, but who had absolutely no wisdom at all. Going to school, children, shut your ears. (laughs) Going to school never made anyone wise and never will. Don't tune me out. There's another reason this age is lacking wisdom. They think you get wisdom by age and experience. Well, I don't know about you, but I know some awfully foolish old people. Just growing old made no one wise. So what is wisdom? The lack of it is, as I said, a log in your eye that keeps you from seeing clearly or straight. And most people in our culture don't have it. So what is it? How do you get it? What are its benefits? In other words, how do you get the log out of your eye? What is wisdom? You men who have been going to the men's proverb study for a number of years now have absolutely no doubt what wisdom is. Skip has told us over and over and over again. And he has to because we're kind of dense, guys. But let's turn to Proverbs chapter 2 and really see what wisdom is. A man who has a log in his eye is a man who cannot see straight. He can't see things properly because he lacks wisdom. Now, I'm going to read the first 12 verses of Proverbs 2. But before I do, understand what wisdom is comprised of. It is comprised of two things. 
Whenever you think of the word wisdom, think of these two words, knowledge and skill. Or to expand that definition, wisdom is to have deep insight into the true nature of things and the skills to apply those insights, particularly in your everyday life. That is what wisdom is. It's not just an acquisition of knowledge. Wisdom is getting deep insight by studying God's Word and applying it to life. It is getting to know the way things really are in this world. Or gaining insight into how the world really works and the skill to apply those insights to your everyday living and behavior and decision making. Now you can see, can't you, that if you have everything in the world but you don't have wisdom, you don't have anything. And if you have wisdom and yet nothing else, you have everything you need to live life successfully to the glory of God. True insight into the nature of things and the skills to apply those insights to everyday life. Proverbs 2, beginning in verse 1, and I will read through to verse 12. Now, as I read, I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, I want you to notice what you have to do to get wisdom. And then the benefits of wisdom. Verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest her for her as for hid treasures. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment, and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness, and judgment, and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into the heart, and knowledge And knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man. From the man that speaketh froward things. Now how does this passage say you obtain wisdom? Real insight into the natures of things. The the skill to apply these insights to everyday life. It says first of all in verse 1. Treasure them. My son, if you receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you. And then verse 4, if you seek her as silver, search for her as hidden treasures. You've got to, first of all, value the wisdom that God gives in his words above everything else in your life. Nothing else in your life is as valuable to you as God, his word, and the wisdom he gives you through his word. As long as there is anything in your life that you cherish more than Him and the wisdom He gives, you will never be wise. That's the first thing. You've got to cherish the wisdom that God gives from His Word above everything else. Verse 2. 
Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. Make your ear attentive and incline your heart. If you truly desire wisdom, you're going to get your ears and your heart just as close to the teacher as you can. In other words, he's saying, totally devote yourself to getting wisdom. There should be nothing you spend more time on, more energy on, more thought regarding than getting wisdom. Is there anything in your life that you're striving after with more diligence and more zeal than you are at getting godly wisdom? If there is, then you will never be wise. A wise person is someone who devotes his life to being wise, getting the log out of his eye. In verse 3 it says, If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. Why? Verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Here is why you will never get wisdom through schooling. And here's why you'll never get wisdom simply by aging or through experience. Because God gives wisdom. Knowledge and discretion come from His mouth. So if you are ever going to be wise, you've got to ask God for wisdom. You can get knowledge from studying books, but you can't get wisdom from books. You get wisdom by crying out to God who alone gives wisdom. And from His mouth comes knowledge. Oh Lord, help me to perceive correctly. Give me insights into myself and the way life really is. And then give me the practical ability and skill to know how to apply those things to my life. And then help me to live by them. Regardless of my emotional state or moods. Every time you have a decision to make, beloved, remember verse 3. And cry out to God for wisdom. Now normally... We ask God for wisdom. We ask Him like this. God, give me wisdom. Now, if you didn't hear me, you know God didn't hear it. Scripture says, lift your voice. If you really want something, you're going to raise your voice until you get it. When I'm at work and the mixers are on and the radio's turned up and timers are going off at the oven and refrigeration units are humming, I have to raise my voice to get anything I might need from someone else. Because if I say, could you get me that, please? I'd never get it. It's too soft. So if it is something I really need, I raise my voice. I I lift my voice. Lord, I need wisdom. Lord, please give me wisdom. Lift your voice. Cry out to God. Cherish wisdom more than anything else in the world. Submit yourself to it. Devote yourself to getting it regardless of the cost. Cry out to God for it. Now notice another series of words here. 
It says in verse 7, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Verse 8, And He preserves the way of His godly ones. Uprightness. Godly we see here. The wise person is a righteous person. If you're bent on doing whatever you want to do and disregarding what God demands of you, not really caring if you are righteous in all of your actions and motives and thoughts, you'll never be wise. I don't care how much you want it. I don't care how many books you read on the subject. If you are not seeking to live in terms of God's commands upon your life, you will never, you will never be wise. If you are not a righteous person, you will never be a wise person. And of course, if you are not a person of faith, you will never be either. You've got to start by recognizing your own spiritual bankruptcy. And of a need to be a true child of God. Because He is the one who gives the righteousness. He is the one who gives the wisdom. Now what are the benefits of wisdom? When you get this log taken of your, out of your eye, and you're able to perceive properly, you will not only want to help other people perceive properly as well, by taking the twigs out of their eyes, but also regarding yourself. Notice what our text says in verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. He proves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. And that wisdom will enter into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of the evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. Do you see the benefits of gaining wisdom, of having that log taken out of your eye? First of all, you have God as your shield. Wisdom is a protection. I don't need to tell you, beloved, we live in a dangerous world. But it's not only a dangerous world because of the physical assaults. Even more seriously, it is a dangerous world because we are assaulted every day spiritually. Morally, philosophically, ethically, intellectually, religiously. We are assaulted every which way. And you've got to be able to guard yourselves. But you see, you can't. But the Bible says God's wisdom can. When you become wise, you then have protection. You don't make as many bad decisions. You don't go to places or hang out with people that will get you into trouble. You're safe. You have discretion and discernment. You're able to tell good from evil and truth from falsehood and illusion from reality and beauty from ugliness. Not only that, but it says in verse 10 that wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge becomes a pleasure to your soul. Wisdom gives you a pleasantness, a a peace and a joy. So maybe that's why Jesus referred to the eye instead of some other sensitive place on the body. To make his point that as long as that log is in your eye, you'll not be able to see straight. You'll be in total darkness. That is, you are without wisdom. Therefore, if you are to see straight in the world, then first of all, you must says Jesus, remove the log from your eye. Get wisdom. 
Now, Jesus is calling these Pharisees, these hypocrites, to repentance. He is saying, look at your own heart. Look at your own inner life. Take an honest inventory of yourself. See if there is any self-love and self-pride and self-lust and envy and anger and hatred and hostility and rebellion down deep. And be honest enough that when you look into your life, And you hate whatever you find there that is displeasing to God to grieve over it. To confess it before God and call it by its proper name. It is sin. Then repent of those ugly things you find deep down in your heart. That's how you remove the log. If you look down deep and you pray, God, as I look down deep, please cast your light down there so I can see clearly what is there. Help me to not pretend any longer. To, be, to not be satisfied with an external religion and just going through the motions and trying to impress people with my status. What am I really like? What is really down there? Then if God reveals things down there that are ugly, confess them, beloved. Cry over them. Turn from them. Correct those gigantic faults before you try to correct minor faults in your brothers. More to the point, clear your own eyes and your own judgment and your own perception with spiritual insight from the God's truth before you attempt to correct another's perception of truth. Before you try to clear up someone else's misconception of the truth about God or about life, make sure you clean out your own eyes. Clear up your own misconceptions and your own sins. Search your own soul. Take inventory of your life. Study the Word of God. Devote yourself to be submissive to Christ in His Word. Whatever He commands you to do, be faithful in the attending of the preaching of the Word of God. Separate yourself from evil. Study the landmarks of theology and the history of the church. Live out the great Westminster Confession of Faith and shorter and larger catechism. Read God-honoring books and listen to God-honoring sermons on CD. That's how you clear up your eyes. That's how you get the log out. Beloved, before you even think about clearing up someone else's wrong thinking or wrong behavior, be sure you have dealt with your own problems first. Be sure you have taken the logs out of your own eyes. Because it is only as you see the ugliness in your heart that you will have the humility to help others in a loving, concerned manner to remove the twig from their eyes. As a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are called to help a brother remove the speck from his eye. But you better make sure your eyes are clear first. Or your words of help will fall on deaf ears. Jesus is not discouraging the judging of other people's morals or behavior, attitudes, or outlook. Jesus is not saying here, don't judge other people ever. Although there are many people in the church who would tell you that is what it says. He is saying, 
Get that log out of your own eye. Know yourself. Correct yourself so that you can help get the twig out of your brother's eye. So he can see straight as well. Jesus is here encouraging the judgment of ungodly behavior and attitude. He is calling on us as disciples that once we have corrected ourselves to lovingly, lovingly correct other people. Why? Because sin destroys a person. And we should not ever want our brothers and sisters to be destroyed by their sin. So what are the two essentials this parable presents to us? Essentials to living the Christian life and essentials to true discipleship. They are self-discipline and mutual discipline. Self-discipline is getting the log out of your own eye. Then after you've gotten the log out of your own eye, help, edify, exhort, admonish other Christians. That is mutual discipline. And they are both essential for living the Christian life in this world. Now where does self-discipline start? It starts by keeping constant watch over your own heart diligently. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Never ever be careless or negligent about yourself. Know your inner life and guard your heart carefully. Living rightly for Christ begins with a heart. If God does not have your heart, beloved, He does not have you, no matter what other conformities you've made in your life. Be constantly in God's Word and in prayer. Draw close to Him, and He will draw closer to you. Be in close fellowship with your elders, or with a strong brother or sister in Christ who can help you and encourage you in your walk. Ask them where you may be falling short in your walk and then work to strengthen that area. And then, beloved, never, never discourage any Christian from exhorting or admonishing you, pointing out some sin in your life. When they do and express an opinion to you, don't reject it without thinking seriously about it. Seek mature believers to be your close friend and to shepherd you and tell you plainly and lovingly what they see in your life that needs to be brought into line so that God will be pleased with you. And lastly, beloved, see your own sins as far worse than anyone else's. Do you mean to tell me, Gary, that my sins are worse than some homosexual pervert that hates God? Yes, I do. It is far worse for a child of God to sin against his heavenly, loving Heavenly Father and Redeemer than it is for a pagan to rebel against his judge. And it is a terrible thing for a rebel to sin against his Creator. Beloved, get wisdom. Examine your heart regularly. Justly judge and condemn yourself where you need. Then repent of your sins. Get that big old log out of your eye. So you can walk circumspectly and have the right attitude to then lovingly 
help your brother or sister remove the speck from their eye so they can more and more be molded into the image of Christ. That is the life of the true disciple in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. My question to you, is that you? Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this soul-searching parable. We thank you for the way it cuts to the quick, and we pray, O God, that it will do its work within us to humble us, to critique us, and then when it has driven us to our knees before you, for you to lift us up and encourage us. Help each of us here, O Lord, to know what self-discipline is. Help each of us to be lovers and devotees of wisdom and help us in love to be committed to the mutual discipline and edification of each other in the Lord. Because we know that it is as we grow together in Christ that each of us individually grows to be more like Christ himself. We ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Amen.